What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 256 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Chris Hartsema, Dutch sailor, surfer, adventurer, and all-around interesting human being. I brought him on because after meeting him in the water and hearing a bit about his story, I got really inspired just thinking about the adventures that are on his horizon as he takes his sailboat, Vayu, into the South Pacific, potentially for the next few decades. This young 37-year-old has set a goal for himself that he's been dreaming about since he was 15, and he's in the process of executing on that goal, which I just find tremendously inspirational and keeps me motivated to keep pursuing my dreams and goals. One thing you will notice about this episode, as you might have heard me in past episodes talking, or if you follow me on Instagram, I'm in Mexico. I've moved into a new location and my house is echoey. So with these live in-person interviews that I do, the microphone setup that I do have for live interviews is not perfect, and you do hear that kind of echo within our conversation. It's very audible, very understandable, and your ears will adapt rather quickly to the conversation, I think. So please stick around because it's very worth listening to this whole episode. And if you like it, and you want to share it with somebody, that's definitely the number one way that you can help me out. Sharing these episodes just gets more people interested in these stories, gets me more followers, and potentially one day, maybe sponsorship deals or just more traffic that I can create some type of product service that delivers value to you guys. So definitely sharing it is the number one way to help me out. If you do want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can also do it by giving a monthly donation through Patreon or buying a t-shirt and heading over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop. But with that said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Chris Hartsema, whose adventures into the South Pacific you'll be able to follow on his Instagram and potentially his new YouTube channel that's coming up soon. All that will be in the show notes. Enjoy. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I'm joined by Chris Hartsema, adventurer, sailor, crypto enthusiast. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure, man. I really enjoyed bumping into you and just starting to hear a little bit about your adventure that you've set yourself on recently. Um, you have a sailboat, you're sailing towards the South Pacific. We'll get into all those beautiful details about you and your adventure. But first, do you mind telling the audience a little bit about where you're from and what your upbringing was like? Uh, sure. Um, I'm from the Netherlands and I've come from a family of five. My sister is much older than me, about 13 years older than me. My brother is about seven years older than me. Um, my parents are very adventurous, were always very adventurous and on, uh, to this day um, they are still uh, doing um, at least as crazy adventures as me. So um, I've been brought up in like overland trucks. We've always been on like uh, epic, um, yeah, like journeys around the, yeah, around the world really. So, and um, for the rest, what about my upbringing? I think, yeah, I, I, I've always been um, 
allowed to go and explore what I wanted to do myself. You know, like if I wanted to get into skateboarding, go right ahead. I want to go into like snowboarding, kite surfing, whatever. Like they, they would like support me as in like, yes, you're allowed, like whatever, go do what you want to do. But I always had to like pay things myself, um, which I think is a really good way to go about it. Um, yeah, I grew up on the coast in, uh, in Holland. My sister was one of the first female surfers in Holland. She was also the first Dutch uh, woman champion um, by default because she was the only one that uh, <laughs> attended all the, all the contests. But um, uh, because of that, I, I, um, yeah, I, I got into the sport of surfing at a pretty young age. Unfortunately, I had really bad ears when I was younger. So, um, although I got pushed into my first wave around like maybe like six years old or seven years old, and I was like hooked straight away, I could never really uh, pursue it because I wasn't allowed in the water. But um, I did like all these other sports related to it, like uh, uh, snowboarding and skateboarding, and always like mimicking, mimicking the, 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 the surfing. Uh, later on, I really got into kite surfing which all really helped uh, later on. Uh, luckily, at one point, I, I sort of um, outgrew the, the ear problems. Unfortunately, then, by the time that happened, we moved to uh, the inland of Holland, so I still, it still took a couple of years for me to, uh, to get back in the, into, the, uh, into the water. Um, but yeah, that's sort of in a, in a nutshell, I think, um, about, my, about my youth, yeah. That's cool, man. So. Did you have any aspirations as a young man, like to be something specific? Like in America, every child's like, what are you going to be when you grow up? Did, did you grow up in that kind of household where you were going to be like an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer? When you did get into school, were you studying something specific, like at university or anything? No, not really. I mean, we have the similar um, culture, I think. It is, it is a question that you know, gets asked to us as well as, as kids. But um, honestly, if I go back, I think it was like living a life like I'm living now. Honestly, from a young, very young age, I, I was uh, aspired to do that, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. Well, that's interesting. And that's really cool because not many people find themselves in your position at your age saying that. Many people are looking back, regretting the amount of time they've spent doing something they don't want to have done. And now they're seeking, you know, what they excel at, what they want to do, what they like. So that's beautiful that you found that so early. And so now I think it's a great segue into kind of explaining to the audience, like where you're at in your life and what you're trying to accomplish. Cause we met surfing. You're obviously an avid surfer and you have a sailboat, not here where we're at. It's parked somewhere else. And, um, why don't you kind of take us into that dream? We, did you grow up sailing? Like how did you, how did you find this passion? Um, it's going to be a very elaborate answer to, to your question um, because it goes back about, um, do the math correctly here, 22 years. So when I was 15 years old, my parents took me to Indonesia because they wanted to go <laughs> and they took me and, um, and that's sort of, and I was already like introduced to the sport of surfing. I was still an absolute cook, um, but um but that's really where the dream blew up. Just the, in general, the surf dream. I saw guys like you and me 
like now, like living it up in Uluwatu and like, you know, in Bali in general. So I was like, I want in, you know, like this is what I, this is definitely something I want to be doing. But um, it was, that trip was a bit more profound because I had this surf magazine with me. Uh, it was a Dutch surf magazine and it had two articles in it that pretty much put me uh, on, on this course. Uh, one was about the Indy Strader, the Quicksilver boat that um, was uh, set out to sail around the world to find new surf breaks. That, and then the other one was a obscure article, which was a translated article from an English uh, or American magazine. Unfortunately, I've never found the article anymore, but it was um, uh, called Bottle Post, and it was about, um, like, a woman actually found the bottle with, like, papers in it, and it turned out to be, like, sort of a logbook from a sailor. And first she thought it was a hoax, but then she kept reading and she was like, no, this, this is, this can't be a hoax. It's too good to be true. She sent it off to a surf magazine and they published it. And it's about a, uh, a lawyer in the States who is fed up with, uh, with his life, sells, you know, his apartment, quits his job, sells his cars, whatever, buys a sailing boat, buys surfboards. He was already into surfing and he sets, um, um, sail to the South Pacific. Uh, to find like uncrowded world-class waves in French Polynesia. Uh, the, the, the article is not like, um, not very blissful. Like it's, it's actually a pretty rough article and it's because it's, you know, it's not an interview or anything. It's just like expert, uh, or, you know, it's, it's just like loose pages, but it, it, you know, it goes into like pretty obscure things and, um, and like sort of the, the bottom line of the story is that he like, slowly becomes, goes crazy on this sailing boat because he's by himself um, and he's like, you know, like, but he's also going into the ways he finds and how, like, he surfs all day with nobody around and he's like, oh, you know, I could easily start like a surf camp here, but, you know, I don't think, I don't want to share this with like all these like, I don't know, yuppies. Um, and, uh, but he, like, and then he goes into like this another sort of paragraph where it's like, oh, you know, I lost track of time. I, you know, I got hurt. I um, went into like one of these episodes. I ditched all my uh, navigation uh, equipment. And I don't know where I'm at. Um, and and you know, it sort of ends where I like it sort of ends with um, like I, oh, I found my island. Uh, I want to stay here, um, but I'll go around the corner. Ends up in a storm. Never finds the island anymore. End of story. So you know, and that's sort of that article really like, you know, although I'm not, I don't um, want to go crazy on my sailing boat by myself in the South Pacific, don't get me wrong, but it did sort of like, it's like, wait a minute, there's way more out there. Um, and, uh, but no, I'm not from a sailing family, although I'm from like, you know, an adventure family, as I would, as I would say it. And, and my dad always, uh, not always, but he had sort of this, this thing he said to me once, like, don't let your dreams be dreams. Um, and, um, but yeah, so ever since I was 15 years old, I've, I've, I've been pretty much working towards fulfilling this dream. Um, but not coming from a uh, sailing family, not coming from a fishing family at all, not coming from a, well, although it's a little bit of surf, but I mean, the surf in Holland is absolutely nowhere near the surf I'm going to find in, in French Polynesia. So I train myself or at least I prep myself as, 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 as good as I uh, could uh, for um, on, on these different levels to uh, yeah to make this happen and, and it was always the, 
the, the money part that, that was the most difficult uh, for me to overcome. Uh, although I have to say the, the surfing side is uh, probably um, a good second um, because you know, you're, a, um, you're a good surfer yourself and you know how long it takes to get to, to certain levels um, and to get comfortable in certain ways. So, um, yeah. So when you say the money side was holding you back, was that because obviously sailing lessons take money? Finding a sailboat that you can practice on takes money. Like, how are you training for this moment to buy a boat and sail away? Um, yeah, so I never put any money into trainings. I, I, I learned, I learned uh, by doing it. And how I did that, I... Um, so I did a sports study um, back in Holland, like, um, uh, it's called a, uh, not a master, but a bachelor degree in, in sport, let's call it sports science. Um, and for my final thesis, I moved to Cape Town. And I was uh, related to kite surfing and, and industry and, and whatnot, but it's um, uh, also one of the biggest sailing ports in the world. So that was really like my shot. Like I was like, okay, here we go. This is so. I just um, put flyers in the marinas saying, like, hey, I want to. I'm a kite surfer. I, I, I used to live on a on a little fishing boat during my uh, college degree. Anyway, I just bluffed my way into a sailing boat, pretty much. And um, it's a pretty cool story on itself, how that sort of manifested, because I, I completely used the, um, the technique described in the book, The Secret. Um, uh, I was together with my uh, then-girlfriend, and yeah, I mean, that was, that was pretty trippy how that came, came to be. But long story short, uh, ended up on a Volvo Ocean Race boat uh, from Cape Town to Rio de Janeiro, so straight into uh, uh, Atlantic Crossing, and um, and I was like a sponge, you know, like I wanted. To, I was, I think, 23 at the time. The captain of the boat was 22 at the time, but he is still one of the best captains I've ever had. He grew up sailing, and he was, and he really knew what, knew what he's doing. Um, but yeah, we ended up sailing for 28 days. Um, and um, and I, what I said, like I tried to learn everything I could about uh, about everything, uh, you know, about the sailing, but also the cooking, about maintenance, about um, yeah, because there, there's you know kind of quite a few areas where you where you need knowledge in. Um, and then, so I didn't have to pay for anything. I we uh, sort of helped as a crew because it was during it was in 2008 when the financial crisis hit and it was a charter boat it, it followed the actual Volvo Ocean Race at the time and uh, so this was a charter boat for Team Russia but financial crisis hit the guys couldn't afford their charter or, or other reasons why they couldn't come but the boat still needed to cross the ocean for the next charter so it was we got cold on a Wednesday it's like hey we're sitting still on a Saturday I had my life, you know, the car, the house, and my job, this and that. Quit everything and stepped on the sailing boat. And uh, so it was all very last minute. Arrived to the other side, and then um, there was this other boat behind us that was like the complete other end of the spectrum, being like a like a pirate ship, made handmade in the Amazon. 
And I was like, that's, I want to be on that boat next, you know? So we sort of did the same trick par, um, with uh, the secret kind of tactics. And, and um, next thing you know, we spent four months uh, going up and down the coast of Brazil on the other one. And, and those sort of two um, experiences like gave me a good foundation to uh, develop my skills. And from then on, I always kept sailing. But then you have a good story. Like with, with, with sailing especially, is like the hardest thing is to get on your first boat. As soon as you have like, you have a little bit of a resume or you have a little bit of knowledge, at least you can say like, yes, I have been on the boat before. Yes, I have what crest an ocean. That's a good one. Um, then you're like, then other, then people are like, okay, welcome, welcome, please help, you know? Um, and, and so, yeah, I took after that for, for years in a row, like I took every opportunity I could get. Um, but always like sort of helping out and, and I never did courses or anything. And then a couple of years. So this is, um, I think 2017, I was in Australia on my working holiday visa. Um, and I sort of went to Australia with the idea of saving for two years because you can get, I can get two years of visa and work and I could make more money in Australia than I could back home. But I ended up in a hospital twice because of knee surgeries, surfing accident. Um, and after two years, I was nowhere near uh, a sailing boat. Um, so I invested my last money into like an SCCW, which is the course you need to work on super yachts. And with that, I ended up on a 144 feet sailing super yacht. And straight off the bat, I got the first mate position, which is pretty unheard of. And that also was like invaluable, like, yeah, in a lot of different areas. But uh, I learned a lot about maintenance um, and, and also, of course, sailing. So what I'm trying to say is I, I eventually I, I even got it to a pro professional level and I even made some money with it. Um, so, yeah, that so those are all like steps that really helped. Um, and, and I did that for uh, close to a year. So and we did a little section of the Pacific already. Mm. Accumulated time. Of learning how to sail, how many years was that of accumulated time? Year and a half. So from South Africa to Brazil to Australia, about a year and a half of like. Yeah, well, that would be like added up time. Right. That, that that is over the course of uh, twenty three to thirty two, so almost ten years. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. A straight year and a half though on the high seas learning. I guess maybe even a little bit longer, but okay. Yeah. One aspect of something you said I'd love to go deeper into was the last minute decision you made to jump on the boat, knowing that that's what you wanted, but having a life already um, established in South Africa. I think these decisions come to a lot of people and fear holds them back from actually pulling the trigger, especially when they have a car, an apartment, a job, uh, because that safety security thing that we all have in us kicks in and says like, no, 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 that's too risky. Do you mind taking us through the psychological process, maybe the emotional process that you went through uh, when that moment came to really just like cut the cord and go? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're very uh, right there. Um, it is. Um, it was very stressful because you know you have to arrange all these things in in a short amount of time. 
But it was so clear for me and for us, for my girlfriend at the time, that that is what we wanted to be doing, you know. And we worked towards that for for a couple of months before it manifested. So when the opportunity came along, we made it happen because that is what we wanted to do. Um, and we just, yeah, we we just put everything aside and and um, and, and we're just really happy for the opportunity. Um, it happened twice actually. Another time, that was even a, a different situation. After, after I came back from this sailing endeavor that I just described, I went back home, and we in Holland we have this. Um, it's called um, Sail Amsterdam, and it's hold uh, every five years. Like there's tall ships and vessels from all over the world that come. And I'll, I'll try to keep it a bit snappy, but there, we have one like Dutch astronaut and he built the absolute newest like Ecolution was called, like with like all these gadgets and like, like mega cool, like new, um, kind of yacht. And I needed to be on that thing. So I like, and he was presenting it during that sale Amsterdam and I went to my computer. I made one business card just like, on the computer, I printed it out, cut it out just for him. You know, I had no business card. I, I, there's no way I, I didn't even have a job. So, but anyway, I went, like, I just pushed everybody aside. Like, no, because I saw him walking over deck, you know, he's just like drinking champagne or whatever. And I was like, sorry, sorry, I need to speak to this dude, you know, like, you know, five lines. People are like, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Bubble uh, uh whatever, congratulated him, gave him my business card and said, like, if you never need a hand, I'm your guy. And I knew where he was going to be. And I was like, I live next door. And it was actually true. Anyway, time passes. His ship actually sunk like a month later. And he had to re- rebuild the whole thing. Two years later, he actually ends up in the harbor next to my place where I was living. And I go again. And it's like, Mr. Ockels, ah, you're the, you're the, the cheeky guy from uh, Silence. So it's like, at least you still remember. He so did the same thing, handed him, handed him, handed him uh, my card. And then a couple of months later, I get a call and he says, okay, um, I actually got a call from the captain. It's like, yeah, we're sitting still to Aruba again on, in three days. Can you come? But now I actually have an official job. I was just like, I was pretty um, bunkered down in, in, in Holland and... Um, and, and now I actually had to quit like an official job and I really had to like quit my house and, 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 and that was a bit more stressful and I really gave that much more thought and I was like, yeah, this is the chance of a lifetime, you know, this is really, really cool. Um, and, and yeah, I just sort of had the fuck it mentality and it's like, yeah, this is a you know, once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, one of these decisions like, you know, I rather regret, um, doing it than not doing it, you know? So, yeah, I think those, those, I think, um, yeah, it's more the opportunity that arises at that time that I, and then just balance it out. It's like, yeah, no, let's go. Did you have any regrets of taking that last trip with uh, the mm-hmm. astronaut? No, no, that was, that was an adventure of a lifetime. I mean, that on itself is, an, is another, is another, um, is another podcast episode because almost almost because it was a lot of stuff that went down because i thought you know bang state-of-the-art ship these guys are sailing around the world they must have completely uh sea trial this vessel this and that and 
none of it. So we set out like after like the second night, shit hits the fan, and and you know like um, we ended up being rescued by the coast guard in the middle of the night in like pretty heavy seas, um, and um, and I actually left the boat because I didn't trust the captain, and 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 uh, so it was actually only short but very interesting, especially because he. He's the, until, yeah, he's the first, and I think until this day, the only Dutch person that ever went into space. And he's like, you know, my parents were like, you know, like we watched this live on television when, when that happened. Um, anyway, what I'm trying to say is to go through something like that with like such a unique person. And like he, it was a multi-million dollar boat and he had to sell his house. He went all in on that boat. To see how he handled his ship, like not doing that well, was only that was super cool, you know, to see like, hey, wait a minute, that's why he's a freaking astronaut, because he's cut out different wood, as we would say in Dutch, you know, like that, that was, that was really cool. And his wife was on board as well. And I was sort of, and, and the press was calling straight away and like, hey, what's going on? You see you're going off route. And anyway, it was, it was a pretty, pretty epic, uh, endeavor. Um, and, um, yeah, anyway, so, um, I would say just to answer your actual question, yeah, if, if those chances, you know, if, if you, if you have, like, for me, I set a goal, these chances come along, let's go. I like that. I like that. Just real quick so the audience gets a little bit more of an understanding of you. When you do say you, you have like a real job, what kind of jobs were you taking? Um, well, not in this, uh, in this case, I had a, um, I had a, uh, a marketing function at a, for a winter sport company, um, which, you know, looking back on it, I couldn't care less about, you know, <laughs> so I really like, yeah, it, it was like one of these things that crossed my mind is like, um, I am not like, I really feel strongly that I've, that I, I didn't come to this planet to sell as much winter sport gear as possible, you know. So, yeah, looking back, like, at the time, it was like, oh, my God, I have to, like, quit my full-time job that I studied, like, and I worked hard for. And looking back on it, it's like, oh, my God, that was, like, you know, the best sort of decision I've ever made, you know. Yeah. You've also mentioned a few things, or the same thing twice, so I'd like to bring in the, the conversation a little bit. We don't have to go too much into detail, but obviously the secret and manifestation has played a role in your life that totally. you've, you've found to be very valuable. And some people found similar things, not necessarily reading The Secret, but through other books and, and studies and practices. Can you just take us through this manifestation process that you've found results with? Totally. Um, so what we, so, I'm, so I say we because I do have the feeling and I have to say, I'm pretty certain that this works better if you do it with male and a female combined. I do really think that is the stronger um, sort of vibe you can put out there. So yin and yang, if you if you wanna if you wanna go that far. But um, and in the first case, that was um, yeah, we we really sat down together. It's like okay. You know, we want to sail from Cape Town, doesn't matter where to. And, you know, I want, uh, wanted my girlfriend to really like, uh, sort of meditate on, on, on the kind of vessel, excuse me, the kind of vessel 
that she wanted to sail, the kind of crew she wanted to sail with, and where to. And I would do that for myself. Um, and the trick, I guess, which is described, but which we really did as well, is like, you really like see yourself doing that already. And with that, in my own words, I think you create sort of a vacuum, which has to be filled by something, the universe in this case, manifesting your dream. And yeah, so really like meditate, standing on the helm, I'm crossing this ocean. And for me, I wanted to be on a cat specifically. And I wanted to be with like a young crew uh, so we could sort of learn together. And um, yeah, I think I lost track of time. Let's say 20, 30 minutes with very like deep and like just like, you know, just pretending I'm already doing this. She did the same after, afterwards we talked about it. And, and the funny thing happened is that she wanted a monohull and with like an elderly sort of experienced crew or couple, specifically couple, she said. And anyway, both didn't matter where we went, where we went, as long as we didn't go back home. That was the, that was sort of the, the thing that we, um, that we put out there. So, and then I, uh, we still really put action in. It's not that we like sort of like launched and let's, let's not, no, we still put like, you know, um, effort and, and action towards achieving, uh, that goal. But for three months, nothing happened. Nothing. There was not a lead, not anybody that was conceiving, considering taking us. On one day, on the same day, two or three hours apart, we get two calls. One from a, I kid you not, from a couple that's straight out of like a movie, like pirates, delivering a brand new cat to Croatia. And three hours later, we get called by a 22-year-old captain who's going to deliver a Volvo Ocean Race boat, a monohull, to um, Brazil. So it was a perfect mix of both our dreams, and and we could cherry pick which one we uh, which one we wanted. But you were going to go together. We were going together, yeah, and I we see. ended up going to Brazil. And then the, the portion of the meditation that you were doing was that a daily practice, or was that just a one-time set our goal? consult each other and then start moving forward with taking action yeah it was the latter in this case it was it was just the the one thing but of course we sort of you know we kept the goal in mind but um we, we never really sat down like like that but we got it very clear and you know like we, we thought about this every day and again we put action towards it so i think you you sort of like yeah you, you make the you make the vibe stronger uh, I did this many times later over the over the course of my life to uh, to get things done. Um, probably could have done done it better or more cons um, consistently. I, I like what you're where, where what you're getting at. I think that would be better mm -hmm. to do it on a on a daily or weekly or or whatever uh, basis for sure. I think in many ways this house that we're sitting in right now is a manifestation I've created over years. Like. I've had a fantasy of not necessarily this specific house, but this atmosphere in a house that's well lit in this type of environment, whether it would be in Southeast Asia, Central America. And finally, I mean, like this has been happening for over 10 years and I'm finally here. So the manifestation process for individuals takes different amount of time. You were able to achieve yours in three months. Mine took me 10 years. 
But, you know, here we both are, both living our dreams in very unique, different ways, but having a great conversation about the subject of manifestation, just setting a goal and trying to achieve it. Totally. totally. I think um, as we move through this conversation now, it's, it's going to be fun to bring in your, your sailboat, um, which is Vayu. Is that pronounced correctly? Correct. Can you give us the details of your sailboat? Uh, absolutely. It's a 45 feet sloop. From 1974, uh, it's a Coronado 45, um, built in California. And because it's built in the 70s, it's a very thick um, fiberglass hull. And so uh, being a sloop, it has one mast. And for me, so I'm myself, I'm 6'6", I'm quite tall. And that was really hard to find. And um, as soon as I found like the ad saying like this particular boat is very well suited for, for, for tall people, I was like, okay, bring out the measurement tape. I want to see the actual numbers, you know, like, and, and as soon as it was confirmed, I was like, okay, bang, this is my boat. And this is, this is the one because it was like, uh, I've always been sailing sloops or mainly sloops. It was within my budget and, and I had the, the headroom, which, um, when I was in uni, living on this fishing boat, I did not have it. And it was a very good that I went through that because otherwise I probably would have made the mistake of whatever, buying a boat which I uh, couldn't stand in. And yeah, that was complete torture. So I really said never again. When I buy a boat, it needs to have that. Um, what other specifications? Like, yeah, I mean, uh, I can get very nerdy, but yeah, there's a 55 horsepower diesel. Um, I mean, there's a water maker. There's, you know, they, it's very well taken care of. Um, boat in general. Uh, you can sail by yourself. You don't need crew. Exactly. I can, I can, that was also another, another thing I really wanted. And 45 feet is sort of like, like the, the largest boat you can comfortably, um, uh, single hand and then you know like the kitchen is completely refurbished and it like has like you know like the solar panels and it has like the inverter and and like like it's all like very well um, upgraded because of course these are upgrades um, and um, yeah so yeah I, I did spend like a couple of months to to sort of bring her up up to um, a good level again but um, in general uh, looking at other sailing boats, it was it was not you know like other people have to completely refurbish the whole the whole thing. And for me, it was just update or or yeah. or yeah. One thing you said earlier in the conversation was you know money and sailing for you was always an issue. Trying to find a way to achieve the goal of learning how to sail number one, and then obviously the acquisition of any boat is going to be expensive. And the audience I know for a fact right now is thirsting to know how a young man like yourself can afford a sailboat of this type. And the other day we discussed a little bit. So if you wouldn't mind, you know, giving the audience a bit of an understanding of like how you manifested the ownership of this boat. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think that's, um, um, yeah, that's something I would want to hear right now as well. <laughs> um, so when I was in Australia, um, I got into, I, I learned about, uh, cryptocurrencies and this is like in 2017 and I was 
completely, um, yeah, like hooked on it straight away. Like I was kicking myself already that I didn't look into it sooner. But hey, here we are, and I pretty much quit my job again. <laughs> I went all into crypto. But from the get-go, I was like, this is going to make me my boat. Um, and so I already created, I already thought, actually in that same period, um, I, I, I thought of the name of my boat being Value. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to name the folder for all my cryptocurrency, whatever. I'm going to name Value as well. And, um, and yeah, I got into like whatever the Bitcoin, the Ethereum's and, and about and, and into like day trading and um, after a while I, I burned out like I was dreaming about it, I was setting alerts, I was I was I was yeah, all in and um, and I was like this is not how I want to go through um, with my life, you know, like then that's when I decided to go and do my SCW to actually go sail and, and work on those skills. But I had like some crypto like change, let's call it, uh, left. And like what, a few thousand euros or something like this? <sighs> Not even, to be honest. I think, you know, this is 2017. It's like things were like pretty low considering how it is now. And, um, Let's go to a thousand bucks. Yeah, a thousand bucks in crypto, 2017, you just kind of basically forgot about and got that's your right. SCC or yeah, S SCW. SCW. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Something like this, you know. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, a couple of years later, uh, three or four years later, I, I was making more money. I was, I was, I was doing much better because I, I found a, um, like a, I got into a line of work in Holland, which I can um, like do as a freelancer. But if I work, I can make a good amount of money. And I had a couple of grand left, uh, or like um, sort of, I could I could invest a couple of grand. And it was, and I was sort of uh, monitoring the crypto market, and I was really feeling like, hey, this is now it's gonna like this is I have to put in the money right now. Um, I lost my phone like sort of around that same time with all my uh, two-factor uh, uh, identification things. I was like, no, shit, you know, I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it. Got, like, I figured it out. And on the retest of like the breakout, I managed to like, and I was just like, like I think I had three, three, four grand. And I just like put it in the, in the usual suspects and... Um, and, and literally the next day, the bull run started and it just n never stopped. And, and that, yeah, and that pretty much turned into my boat. <laughs> so just for the audience to, to get a grasp of that. So that means, you know, three, four thousand dollars into maybe a hundred thousand dollars or ish, something like this would be fair guesstimation. You don't have to get in the details if you're uncomfortable, but no, it was, it, it's, it's something like this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I did in the bull run going up. I, I really tried to put in more and more and more. But that money that I sort of FOMO'd with, that's the money I definitely sort of lost again. But like really what it boiled down to is that from that initial 2017 little, um, little bag that I had, plus like, let's say the four grand that I, that I put in and then 
my complete portfolio, I think it, it went to like a hundred grand twice and I, <laughs> I didn't sell and I didn't buy back. Well, I actually did. Anyway, but yeah, it's true. Let's say those, those two investments turn into my boat and, you know, um, happy days. You know? So this is cool though, because again, an audience member might then say like, that's great. Now you own a boat and boating and sailing is extremely expensive. So you yeah. just spent all your money on a boat that a lot of people would argue isn't an asset. It's a liability at this point. Yeah. And now how are you going to fund this adventure into yeah. the South Pacific? Yeah. So where does this story now go? Because you have the boat, you tell us about like how you make your money now because you're, you're not doing crypto trading every day. No, no, that's correct. Um, so yeah, when I got back, when I, so where to start with this? I told you about the professional sailing job I had. I quit that job because my dad got sick and I had to go back home. That marked the end of a three and a half year travel journey for me. I got back home and I got into a line of work called rope access or industrial climbing, which is, um, where, which I have to say like all the random things I've done in my life sort of came together and I was a very valuable asset in that line of work because I have a background in outdoor. So climbing materials and, and, and all these things are, are, are known to me. And I just got a crash course in maintenance of, you know, the most luxurious yachts in the world. And that is do it as quickly as you can, the best you can. Let's go. So that combined made me like, you know, um, it was a really good, um, yeah, starting point. And, um, so my career in rope access was, was, um, was, was, was pretty good. And yeah, with, and, and, and then being from Holland, like our, um, we're pretty known for our, um, uh, engineering endeavors. So, and we have a big industry as well. So that is, yeah, that is sort of how I make my money these days. And because it's freelance, I can say no to jobs and nobody cares, you know, mm -hmm. um, I've been not working now for exactly a year because I had more. Uh, I took, I sold all my cryptos and it was not only my boat. I had like, I had, had maybe 20 to 25 grand, uh, extra, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that was, that was really nice. So I could upgrade my boat or at least get it to a good level. Um, and have time. I could take my girlfriend and it was sort of like, you know, um, and then, uh, but I can also go back home and, and make serious money. Um, if I decide so, but, but yeah, I mean, so I got into that line of work and it, and that coincided with my big wave hobby. So it's, I could have saved for four years and probably made it, make it happen as well. But I decided to go big wave surfing in Nazare. So I bought a jet ski from the, my, well, my, my first earned money and, um, tow boards and big wave guns and, <laughs> Now, if we're talking about liabilities, <laughs> I mean, I got into the secondhand jet ski business, you know, so, um, and then I risked my life going to surf these crazy waves and, um, and I was funding that with my work, which I need to be healthy for, otherwise I can't do the work. So I was going all in all the time for 
this big wave hobby. So why I'm saying it is, is me stepping out of that, going to buy my sailing boat and going sailing to specific was actually the safer <laughs> and the more mature sort of way to go about life. It's going to balance it out because, yeah, like if you have to stay physically healthy for your work, how you make your money, the Nazare big wave surfing is a surefire way to get injured and, and not be able to make money anymore. So just so the audience understands, the rope access is, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong, you're helping guys who have to climb the big windmills, for example, maybe in Holland, uh, stay safe up there and rig them up. Is that kind of the... Uh, yeah, but I, I do the climbing myself. So, so it's like I actually, I am in the ropes and, uh, but it's, it's correct. Like we, I work wind turbines and then, for example, blade repair because, uh, we do work where, um, where it's really hard to reach. Uh, so in the industry, you know, if it can't be done by ladder or by scaffolding or, you know, like the sort of the, you know, the light bulb on top of the freaking mast or like, you know, the radar thingy, you know, like people can't get there safely. And, and that's what we are trained to do. And then we rig and, you know, there's all these, there's these techniques and it can be, uh, offshore platforms, can be high rise buildings, cranes. Um, yeah, everything that is hard to reach. Uh, like, you know, uh, sometimes it's window washing. I've never done that, but like in uh, the Middle East, it's a big, it's a big thing. You see them like with 10 in a row upsell down from the top and then you know they window clean the whole thing because um, um, the guys forgot to think of a system to do that beforehand you know so here we are they created a whole industry again I, that's not something that I've ever done but it's it's part of the scope um, so yeah like I say climbing but it's more upsiding always try to start high and, and go low but okay yeah okay so as of now you're in Mexico with your sailboat. We're surfing together on a daily. Sounds like you have the ability with your freelance job that you can pick up work when you want and go back, make money for what, a month at a time, two months at a time, and then leave your boat anchored or dry dock somewhere. Like, how do you see this playing out over the next five years, let's say? How do you see your life unfolding? I see that I have to go back to work now <laughs> because. Like, yeah, I'm running very low on funds. And then I'll dry dock my boat. I'll go back to work. In this case, I'll go back to work for probably five, six months because I have, I need to put in some serious money into my boat to upgrade her across the board because I want to sail from Mexico to French Polynesia and it will only get more expensive and harder to uh, do projects on my boat. So I'm just going to bite the bullet, work as much as I can, come back, do those projects, and then hopefully a year from now, set sail um, to French Polynesia. In the summer, I will also upgrade my SCW to work on the super yachts again. I will, uh, well, that comes with like a um, uh, health checkup so you can prove to them like, hey, I'm healthy. Um, and then, so I'm European and believe it or not, but French Polynesia is European, is Europe as well. So I'm allowed to stay there and I think I'm even allowed to work there. Although the super yacht business, which um, I'm planning on sort of re-entering into, is um, a big loophole if it comes to 
visas and all that because you can pretty much just go into these countries with superior ports on a tourist visa and these vessels they are not really part of the country so they're their own sort of entity island whatever so big loophole for your audience um and yeah i'm 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 sort of um planning on doing day work um or maybe pick up like you know small small jobs or what i mean is like small uh, trips um maybe even deliveries like i want to get more into that line of work again and fade out the in- industrial work um but in the beginning I'll, I'll, I'll you know i'll keep my tickets valid and um and then, yeah i mean um i'm also thinking of doing yeah more like online kind of something to 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 stretch out my money a little bit more but i have i have i've mixed feelings about this whole online thing because it takes me away so much from the actual living side you know that i that for me personally i think i I just like to split it up you know it's dedicated work and then dedicated whatever life you know sailing surfing whatever but yeah i think to answer your question go more, more into the sailing super yacht delivery kind of line of work again how yeah. old are you right now I uh, just turned 37. 37. Yeah. Okay. So you're pushing 40. Um, for a lot of, you know, people at 37 back home in Holland, assuming have a wife, children, yeah. a nine to five. Do you get a lot of, uh, shit from your friends? I mean, it sounds like your parents have always supported this lifestyle. So I'm assuming that this is not an issue for them, but do you ever have pressure that you feel that you need to maybe conform to a different lifestyle or? I mean, Yes and no. I think I know exactly what you're getting at. I mean, I do feel that pressure as being like sort of more in like to the, how do you say it, more in the collective consciousness of this whatever world we're living in. Um, do I have actual people give me shit? No. Um, am I jealous of other people? No. Um, not at all. But having said that, I have to um, say that it has been a, you know, as far as you can do that over the, over the course of that long, but a pretty, um, conscious decision not to go down that path. Um, yeah. Now I can relate. I mean, I'm 43 and made that conscious decision, but still like you and piecing my life together through odd jobs and trying to find maybe something that's consistently stable enough to bring in income while I continue this lifestyle of pursuing challenging waves and continuously living in a way that I feel fulfilled by. And as of now, I agree with everything you just said. I don't envy anybody's lifestyle from back home. I can't say I have any regrets thus far. I'm concerned with my livelihood at times and have been for you know quite a few years now because I haven't really found my footing within making money online in the way that I want to. Um, and every year that ticks by comes a little bit more internal pressure of like, I have to figure this out because there are things in my life that will, with age, become an issue, not just necessarily with me physically, but with people I love that I need to be a part of financially in their lives for. So... I toil with that sometimes. It sounds like you think about it, but it's not an issue for you yet. And 
you know, it's just always interesting to hear different, different perspectives on how they plan to deal with it in the future. Yeah, no, I hear you. And, and look, I'm, um, consciously sort of like single, don't have kids for sure. The kids part, I mean, again, how, how, like, you know, things happen sometimes and, you know, I've had serious relationships and, and this and that, but, um, definitely also the long-term, um, commitments for jobs or buying a house or property and, and being, being, um, yeah, I want to say held back, but like stuck or, or at least anchored, let's put it anchored, um, let's say anchored to those things. Um, but I do feel what you're saying as well. And I've always said over the years, like if I have my boat sort of like in my life and, and, and that is part of my lifestyle, um, I'm also ready to go. Um, down that road of like, you know, children or, you know, like, um, you know, starting a family, let's, let's put it that way. Um, I never, I always saw that it was going to be very hard for me to first start a family and then get a sailing boat and, and live this lifestyle. So, so that's why, but if I'm going, uh, that's, that's, that's an adventure in itself, you know, starting a family, but I, um, want to have my, finances in order much more than I have now um, 100% and it's not that I I mean I'm really grateful for the the job that I can do as a freelancer but it's not something that I completely back working in the industry um, and yeah so I I didn't find my sort of niche there um, which I would also like to do from the boat you know because I really like this lifestyle suits me 100% like it is like I dreamt for it for over 20 years and then there's always like okay is it actually going to be like how you hope it's going to be but it is it for me personally it's a perfect fit um, and I would like every time I would have to leave the boat it would be a waste of time, pretty much, you know, except now because we're surfing good waves, um, which I have to say is the point of it all. So like the sailing is cute and all, but it's like, and I like the lifestyle, I like living on my own little island on, on the water, but it is all for good surf. Um, yeah, that is, so it's a combination of those two. Um, but yeah, I'm also still, um, yeah sort of keeping my eyes and ears open to uh, making money from the boat where which wouldn't cost me too much time and brain space because yeah I tried like for example crypto trading again over the course of the in the last year of the course maybe two months and although I can see that being something I could do and I could make real good money with I saw also that it's not, I am not willing to put in the time and brain power to actually make that happen on a consistent basis because I want to go sail, surf, fish, whatever. So, yeah, yeah. And as you were saying earlier, like the plan is one year from now, get back on your boat, make all the necessary adjustments, start sailing south, I'm assuming to Panama and then across to French Polynesia. No, we're already on the, on the, on the, on the correct side of, of the, um, of the Americas. So I can just go hang west. Oh, you could leave from Mexico and just go straight across. Totally. Like actually where we are now, 
is one of the best places to jump from, the Marquesas, which is the first uh, atolls to, uh, that you will find, um, is the closest from here, pretty much. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So why do people then go down to Panama and shoot across from there a lot? Because, if, exactly, if you come from the Atlantic side, okay. you crush through the Panama Canal, and then that's like... That makes but, sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then you could choose to go up um, towards Mexico, for example, and, and jump. I see. Yeah. Well, this is cool, man. And so with you arriving in French Polynesia, it sounds like that will be the destination that you'll probably reside in for quite a few years. I think so. I think so. But there's other, like for me, it's the whole Pacific. So I really want to go Fiji, I would, like Indonesia. I, I can't skip Indonesia with my own boat. I mean, um, that would be a dream on itself. And then, but you know, there's, there's, there's islands in between that I would like to visit. And then, you know, but now we're probably like years and years um, later, but you know, then you still got Micronesia as well. And, you know, like that's, I can see this, I can see myself doing this for, you know, decades. If, if, if my body allows it, if I can make it happen financially, if I can, you know, if the world keeps spinning as it does, you know, like, um, um, yeah, man, I'll, I'll sign up for that. Yeah, <laughs> you should listen to episode four of uh, Nisuts and Rejects Dale Dagger. Sailed the South Pacific for years and shipwrecked in Nicaragua, and he's back at it. He's on the he's on the high seas at seventy six, sailing solo catamaran. Wow! And he's just doing the back and forth Nicaragua, Mexico. Really? Yeah, it's cool. He's a really cool dude. Well, Chris, this has been fun chatting, man. If you could leave the audience with uh, a quote, maybe something to inspire them, maybe to think about their life situation, take that step into the unknown. What would you say? Maybe inspire somebody who listened to this and and like to try. Well, I, I think. Um I like to uh, quote my dad um, when he told me, "Don't let your dreams be dreams." Uh, I think that's uh, I think that's a good one for this uh, for this podcast. And uh, yeah, let's go chase it. You know, thank you for your time, Chris. Thank Appreciate you so much you. for having me. Awesome, Chris. Thank you so much for your time. What a fun conversation. Definitely inspire me, and I know you inspire the audience. So keep doing what you're doing, and we'll definitely be checking in on you as you continue to pursue that lifelong goal of yours, which is getting the South Pacific, finding uncrowded waves on your beautiful boat, Vayu. Folks, again, if you like this episode, please share it with a surfing enthusiast, a sailing enthusiast, or somebody you think will just get a lot out of this story or enjoy it. If you'd like to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do that via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com, type in Misfits and Rejects, and you can give a monthly donation. Everything is appreciated. Nothing is expected. And as well, if you want to head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop, you can pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. That helps me as well. Thank you for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful. And I'll see you in next week's episode. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.